Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, and I'm on the phone with Brian, and this week we're going to be talking about the 2008 film, The Happening, written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan and starring Mark Wahlberg, Zoe Dashnell, and John Leguizamo. In this film, a young couple trying to find some hope in the midst of an unexplainable event that seems to be killing everyone around them. If you're new to our show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion for the first 10 to 15 minutes, then we'll pop out, uh, take a quick break, and then we'll come back, talk about the plot, hit the spoilers, and get into our review. Brian, I think this is probably only the fourth M. Night Shyamalan film we're reviewing on our podcast. Is that your count? My count is second. Oh, it's definitely <laughs> not because uh, we did the visit. We did knock oh, the on visit. the door. And okay, uh, so this is the third. Oh, third. Okay, okay, great. Yeah, we're both yeah. wrong. Speaking of <laughs> wrong, I always thought it was John Leguizamo. I think you're right. <laughs> and instead of Leguizamo or whatever the <laughs> hell you said. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I wonder uh, if I got the spelling wrong in that last word name. But yeah, I think you're right, John Leguizamo. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just move on. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we've covered three Shyamalans, and uh, yeah, after the visit and knock at the cabin, you would think we'd go to something like The Sixth Sense or Signs, but here we are at The Happening, which I had never seen before, so yeah. I was pretty glad when you chose it. Cool, cool. Yeah, this is what has been on my mind. I feel like it's come up in the, the context of those movies. I want, You know, I feel like uh, when you think about M. Night Shyamalan, it's obviously the most famous movie he's done is The Sixth Sense. I feel like The Happening, uh, for better or worse, comes up a lot when you think about his career, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of like the... It, it's kind of like the poster sh- child for his decline. Yeah. yeah. You know, we talked about how The Visit was kind of his comeback. But in between The Visit and Signs, he was on a bit of a downslide. So, like, if you just look at Rotten Tomatoes, critic scores, you know, take that, whether you find value in those or not, they're kind of an indicator of public perception of his movies. Signs was a 75%, then The Village, two years later in 2004, was 43%. Lady in the Water, 25. The Happening, 17%. Then The Last Airbender is when he kind of bottoms out, and that's a 5% critic score. That was the bottom of the valley. Pretty much. Then he does After Earth three years later, which is only a 12%. And then finally in 2015, he gets back up into like the 68%. Yeah. Yeah. And now, now I think he's like uh, treading probably like in the 70s, 80s with like his last few movies, like Old and uh, Knock at the Cabin Door. Knock at uh, the Cabin was 67, Old was okay. 50. Oh, okay, 50s, 60s. Yeah, so. he's he's at least, you know, he's yeah. he's not making, like, below 20% movies anymore. Sure, he's in the double digits, at least. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And, I, you know, I feel like maybe we're giving too much weight to these critic scores here in this discussion, but just as an example of, yeah. of the critical trajectory of his films. Yeah, that's good to know. I still maintain that I think Hollywood did kind of a hit job on him because as bad as these movies were, they were blockbusters and like they earned a shit ton of money. Like he was, uh, like even this film, uh, forty-eight million to sixty million budget. He made one hundred sixty-three million on it, even though like it kind of got slammed even before it got released. Uh, so people are still like coming out to to see his movies. Um, so I feel like there's a disconnect there between like critics hitting it, but also it's still continuing to drive audiences to the theater. 
I still feel like he has a loyal following. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Because uh, I, I, think, I think he's known for like certain things, which even his worst movies continue to deliver. Uh, I haven't seen those two that kind of bottom out, though. How many of those that you mentioned have you seen? As I mentioned on our Knock at the Cabin episode, I'm really kind of weak in my Shyamalan film, filmography. I've seen The Sixth Sense. I've seen Unbreakable. I've seen Signs. I've seen The Visit and Knock at the Cabin and now The Happening. But Yeah, this, he's got a huge filmography. Uh, he dropped out of, how, uh, out of horror, I guess, after this. He kind of stepped out into maybe a little bit of sci-fi, but he's now back in horror, thankfully. Um, and I think the other interesting thing about this film is, yeah, he was like six, seven horror films into his career, and this is his first R-rated movie, which uh, I didn't, I don't think I realized that before. Did you know that? I We talked about that in our Knock at the Cabin episode because that was the second R-rated movie he'd ever made, Knock at the right. Cabin, which honestly I feel could have been PG-13. Yeah. But the Happening is R, and it is the most r <laughs> it, it, I was surprised by how violent this movie was. I was Me like, too. Mr. Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was really impressed, man. That, this totally wasn't his style. Like, he really leaned into the R. Yeah. Uh, pretty, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it a hard R, but it's not a soft R. <laughs> it's a rolling R. Yeah, it's a bit of a roller. Yeah. Uh, the film was originally called The Green Effect, and he had a lot of trouble getting a producer or, or a studio to pick it up. After Lady in the Water, which, I, yeah, you, you haven't seen that one, it sounds like, right? I have not, no. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's, that's a pretty dumb movie. But uh, yeah, so he was, he was struggling with the script here, but finally found uh, a taker. And um, let's see, yeah, film has a pretty uh, well-established reputation as, yeah, pretty terrible horror film. It was nominated for a golden... <laughs> a well-established reputation as a pretty horrible film. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's it's considered, like, a bad movie, a known bad movie these days. You know, you said that when I mentioned the movie, like, oh, we're going to be doing a known bad movie. I took some issue with that, because I'm not sure... I know this is a bad movie, but uh, I think that'll be the discussion. But definitely when it came out, right? Bad yeah, I mean, the Rotten Tomatoes critic score is 18. The, the user score is 24. It came in eighth in a 2010 poll by Empire Magazine of the 50 worst movies of all time. Yep. It came in first in a 2012 poll by SFX Magazine of the 50 worst sci-fi and fantasy movies that had no excuse was the <laughs> title of that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it's the first movie I think we've covered that is, like, a movie that is a candidate for so bad that it's good. Mm. Jack Frost may be another one, but I think we were both like, holy shit, this is actually just plain good. Yeah. But we, we don't cover, you know, the troll 2s of the world very often. And I think sure. this is the first time, especially on the main channel, that we've done one Yep. that is renowned for being bad. Yeah. Though, uh, watching this, I, I think my mind goes back to, like, we, you know, we just talked about The Fog and John Carpenter and stuff. Uh, you have movies that we've reviewed that were pinned when they came out, and then, like, yeah, 10, 15, 20 years on, the viewpoint on them changes. And I wonder if a little bit of that is going to happen or is already happening uh, on this film. Because I feel like in the last few years, actually, some articles have come out uh, praising this film a bit more. So it could have been a point-in-time thing that now it's aging a little better. Um, but I don't know. What do, you, what do you think? 
I think we'll we'll talk more about it on the back half of the episode, but I think no matter where you stand on this movie, you're bound to find a critical take from a film writer or a critic that is confounding to you. Like <laughs> there are people out there that think eh, this is actually a perfect film yeah. and some people are like this is w- one of the worst movies ever made. Right. And uh I don't think many people are just like eh, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's certainly some takes like that. I mean, Roger Ebert specifically gave it 3 out of 4 stars and he said he right. found it oddly touching. Right. Um, yeah. So there are those kind of takes where it's like, oh yeah, it's it's not as bad as everybody says. Yeah. Right. So I feel like people are either quick to come to its defense or be like, no, that's a piece of shit. Yeah. So it's, it's a very polarizing movie. But mm-hmm. I, I, I do think I've, I've seen more recent positive uh, trends or maybe that's what was being highlighted. Maybe the article was called recent trends, positive trends of the happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, then there's like also the takes. It's kind of, it's almost like a post- I wouldn't want to call it postmodern. It's like a take of like if you just take it for a B movie, yep, then you can enjoy it. And like, oh, it's an intentionally bad movie, right? I don't yeah. know about that. That part's really interesting because uh, Shyamalan reading about like his objective here. It, it was his goal was to make a B movie, and uh, he kind of threw out movies like The Birds, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. But those um, are not B movies. I think after the fact is when that B movie quote may have came. No way, really. I I didn't get the, I couldn't wrap my head around the timing on that. But yeah, it <laughs> it, like it wasn't in the same breath as him saying he wanted to make he envisioned a movie like The Birds or Invasion of the Body Snatchers because th- those are by no means B movies. B movies, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I see that term being thrown around quite a bit. What's your definition of the B movie? Boy, that's a good question. I don't have a good one on the spot. I feel like whatever I say is going to anger somebody. But I think it's anything that really dabbles in the most basic of plots, the most basic of emotions from the viewer and like trying to get those emotions out of the viewer through the most like basic, simple means necessary. Hmm. It's a very trite plot when you've seen a million times before and it may trade in things like schlock or yeah scares or just lowbrow yeah. type stuff. Yeah, I think schlock definitely comes to mind for me. Uh lowbrow but uh somewhat sensational but not mm-hmm. like fully fleshed out potentially. Yeah, um, I think a sense a, a B movie has to be sensational in some way yeah. shape or form. It has to have something gripping or maybe exploitative to it. Okay, got it. So you're seeing the birds and invasion of the body snatchers don't count as a B movie, and as we get into the review, we'll uh, denounce if this counts as a B movie. So, oh, what, what's your what's your example of a B movie then? Boy, I don't know. I mean, Plan Nine from Outer Space is something that often gets brought up as like a B movie or a so bad it's good movie. Um, hey, Slither. If you're if you're oh. trying to make an homage to B movies or like yeah. make a modern B movie, Slither is the prime example. Okay, you wouldn't put Life Force in there. Yeah, that's a B movie. Okay, okay. I don't think it was. I think that was trying to be a big budget B movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so some level of like ridiculousness going on. Uh, uh, yeah, behind it, but yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's an interesting uh, theme to, to or lens to kind of look at this movie through. Um, 
But yeah, I also it, don't think if it was an intentional. Sorry, I'm interrupting you a okay. lot. If it was an intentional B movie, I think the actors would have been directed as such to be and, more B. Yeah, and like know what they were, what kind of movie they were making, hmm. like. Mark Wahlberg has a quote about the movie where he says, it was a really bad movie. Fuck it. It is what it is. <laughs> you can't blame me for not wanting to try to play a science teacher. Yeah. At least I wasn't playing a cop or a crook. Yeah. yeah. Man. So he, he's basically like, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> yeah. And then Zoe Deschanel says, uh, M. Night Shyamalan had a strong vision and we were all trying to do what he wanted. I trusted him because he's a great filmmaker. I didn't know until I saw the film, but I think he was going for a stylized horror like The Birds, and maybe people didn't get that. Right. A stylized horror. And and she says, I didn't know it until I saw the film. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I have no experience. I've never been in the room when a director is directing his yeah. or her actors. But yep. you think you would tell them, this is a B movie, lean into it a little bit, don't yeah. be afraid to go a little over the top. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he knew he was trying to make a B movie. I think in some ways, yes, there are like intentional jokes in here. Mm -hmm. I don't think he knew exactly what he was doing. You know, the the way you said that, though, like uh, it makes me think of Mark Wahlberg. Like, do directors ever tell him to go over the top, or is that? I feel like he's always over the top. So I feel like he's always just like kind of a B actor. Anyway, so maybe M. Night Shyamalan felt like I'm putting this guy in the movie, it's automatically going to be like you're going to have a, a central character who's just like acting over the top. Uh, what, what do you think? I read a critic's point of view that agreed with you, basically saying the very casting of Mark Wahlberg tells us this is intentionally a B movie. Because <laughs> that's like all he knows how to do, basically, with his act. Are you, are you a fan of Wahlberg? Yeah. I don't know, not particularly, but I'm not anti-Mark Wahlberg. I think he's turned in some really good performances, too. I don't know if he has much of a range. I, I kind of feel like he's always like talking in the same, uh, yeah, surprised manner like in every line. I, I don't think he's ever done anything beyond that, has he? Sure, maybe he doesn't have a whole lot of range, but yeah, he specifically has a very <laughs> upward inflection throughout this whole movie. Yeah. He just was really surprised. And what? Shocked. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I hear your point. Yeah, he didn't tell them it was a B movie, but you know, Shyamalan's known for doing a twist, so maybe he's putting a twist on the cast. Yeah, maybe this entire the entire legacy of this movie is is a tw- the twist. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you don't put uh, Hitchcock in with a. Uh, films do you no i don't because i mean his movies are so respected just because it's like a horror or thriller (laughs) nothing makes it a b nothing about that is a b movie i I think sometimes maybe the sci-fi atomic age horror films from the 50s with themes of nature fighting back against the progress of man or man paying for his negligence of, of the natural order of things there are B-movies in that crop of films. Not all of them are B-movies, but I almost wonder if maybe that's kind of what he was saying when he was talking about this being an intentional B-movie. Like, it's it's an homage to these, like, Atomic Age horror films of yore. Not it's something that is intentionally campy and is tongue-in-cheek and for you to enjoy as... I don't know. There's a weird border there. And maybe we're maybe I'm talking two different things. Maybe a B movie doesn't necessarily mean camp or schlock, but Yeah. I also think about low budget and clearly this wasn't quite a low budget film. Okay, kind no. of but No, but it yeah. wasn't. 48 yeah. to 60 million. 
Yeah, yeah, that's quite a bit. I, w- I wonder what they use that money on. Uh, maybe the wind effect of making <laughs> <laughs> things blow. So much wind. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, we talked about the cast. Uh, I think, like, yeah, two pretty well-known actors in the lead. Um, the music, which I think plays a pretty significant role in this film, is done by James Newton Howard, who's worked with M. Night Shyamalan in a number of films, including Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. Um, you mentioned 18% from critics. Uh, what else? You got any other background you want to share on this? Yeah, James Newton Howard, you mentioned, he's worked on eight of M. Night's films, and he's got a Grammy for his score of The Dark Knight, which he did with Hans Zimmer. Yeah. An Emmy, and was nominated for nine Academy Awards. He's scored an amazing amount of popular movies. Wow, yeah. I feel like he's not maybe as much of a household name compared to other composers, or he's not at least to me, but I was blown away by how much he had done. I know. I always thought Dark Knight was all Hans Zimmerman until I saw that. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, just Hans Zimmer. Oh, Hans Zimmer. Thanks. Yeah. Is that Hans Liguizimio, Liguiz- actually? <laughs> yeah. And it was shot by uh, Tak Fujimoto, who shot The Sixth Sense and Signs, as well as many classics like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty in Pink, The Silence of the Lambs, Gladiator, and many others. So... Just kind of funny that this is renowned as a bad movie. It's a B movie, whether intentional or not. And it has these decorated professionals involved in it, right? The cinematographer and yeah. the composer. It's And it's got that big budget. So it, interesting, interesting little movie here or big movie. It really is. Yeah, yeah. With, the, with this kind of power behind it. Uh, yeah, it's just, just surprising. Right, right. Um, Great. Well, Ohio Connection? Yeah, our Ohio Connection, as always, comes from our friend Alex, who connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us. And Alex says, The Happening is a thriller film written, directed, and produced by M. Night Shyamalan about an inexplicable natural disaster causing mass suicides. It stars Mark Wahlberg, Zoe Deschanel, and John Leguizamo. Mark Wahlberg... Mark Wahlberg is an actor and former rapper with numerous business and philanthropic interests. He has received multiple accolades, including a BAFTA Award and nominations for two Academy Awards, three Golden Globe Awards, nine Primetime Emmy Awards, and three Screen Actors Guild Awards. Wahlberg? What? Yeah. (laughs) Among his business interests, Wahlberg got into retail cars and campers in 2020 when he purchased four established dealerships, Bobby Lehman Chevrolet, Hadesee Buick GMC, and Hadesee Airstream and RV dealership, and Jack Maxson Chevrolet, each located in or near Columbus, Ohio. Oh my God. This guy's got a car empire in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's, that's crazy. It was funny. I had a kind of a Wahlberg day. I watched The Happening and Saw 2 in the same day, and Saw 2 stars Donnie Wahlberg. What's that, his brother or something? It's his brother or something, yeah. And oh, then okay. The, <laughs> the next day, I walked by a Wahlberg in Mall of America, or Wahlburger, and the two of them were standing right there, their cardboard cutouts at the entrance to the Wahlburger. Uh, wait. <laughs> you, What's a The Wahlburger restaurant? <laughs> what is that? Is that owned by uh, this guy? Yeah, yeah, it's owned by the two of them. And it's called a Wahlburger? Wahlburgers, yeah. Do they serve burgers? <laughs> nope. Spaghetti oh. place. Oh, yeah, they no serve way. burgers. Oh, okay. And it's owned by a... Oh, wow. I didn't know he owned a, a restaurant chain. Dude, what an, what an entrepreneur. 
He's got Nat a lot of business ventures. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember if it's called Wall Burgers or Wall Burgers. Is that just like a Minnesota thing? Um, no. Let's see. Yeah, Wall Burgers. Hmm. Are you sure that's owned by Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> yeah, dude. You think there's a, a place called Wahlburgers that yeah. isn't owned by the that's Wahlbergers? That's just like making fun of their last name, potentially? I uh, mean, I don't think they're really mocking it. It is owned by Chef Paul Wahlberg and his brothers, Donnie and Mark. Wow. So the three Wahlberg brothers, they opened a restaurant called Wahlburger, and they sell burgers there? That's right, buddy. That's insane. I don't know what kind of world we're living in anymore. Man, maybe we just need to have a spin-off podcast where I just explain to you that Wahlburgers <laughs> exist and you digest it for 45 minutes. Yeah. Have you have you eaten there? No, I haven't. God, this episode's going <laughs> to be as bad as the happening. <laughs> I know. I don't know if that's possible. Are we yeah, doing it on see. purpose? Is it <laughs> exactly. intentional? It's it, This is a beat podcast. This is a beat podcast episode. All right. Well, let's uh, jump into the plot then of uh, The Happening and review it, uh, and we're going to spoil the film. But before we do that, uh, do you mind, I, I got to go uh, pay a bill really quick. Uh, can I give you a call right back? Sure, go for it. All right, cool. I'll be right back. Hey, Brian. Sorry about that. I'm back. Hey, buddy. Welcome back. How'd that, how'd that bill pay go? Oh, it was, it was great, dude. Uh, my utility bill company is giving me a great deal. Uh, I only have to pay them a penny today, and then tomorrow I just pay them twice the penny, and then uh, the next day twice that. And uh, yeah, it just sounds like this is like the cheapest way to, to pay a, a $100 bill. So uh, I think I'm getting the better end of the deal here. Boy, that was some of the weirdest dialogue. This movie is just full of the strangest dialogue. <laughs> John Leguizamo giving somebody a, a math quiz on their deathbed. Yeah. That was a fascinating uh, fact, though. I mean, if you told me that, that, that it would add up to like more than a million dollars or something, I don't think it, I would have believed it. It was a, a cool math riddle. I'll give him that. But Yeah. Hey, you know place. what, buddy? In all that talk of burgers, I forgot to tell people where they could go get a burger if they're in Northeast oh, Ohio. Yeah, Alex owns that? the jukebox bar and restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, and I, I forgot that in my standard Ohio connection reading. Oh yeah, great place to grab some burgers. B movie episode. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. We get one every year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We should just lean in and just yeah. really fuck this whole thing up. Let's call out B. All right. Uh, we'll start with the plot. So the movie starts with a scene in New York City, uh, people sitting in Central Park, uh, and a crowd of people just suddenly start murdering themselves, including this one woman who takes out her hairpin and stabs herself in the neck. And nearby, there's a construction site where people just start jumping off buildings to their death. Uh, I thought this was such a cool and violent opener. What, what did you think? I was blown away by the woman stabbing herself in the neck. I mean, easily the most violent thing I had seen in a Shyamalan film. Yeah. Even including his other R-rated film, Knock at the Cabin, in my opinion. Yep. Just the way it was shot and everything, and it was so close up. And then, yeah, you got these guys jumping off the building, and we see their gnarled, bent-up bodies afterwards. Yep. Um, I couldn't decide, though... This woman sitting on the park bench, she's like looking around being like, what are those people doing? They look like they're clawing at themselves. Is that blood? So 
<laughs> I'm, I'm conflicted here because you're kind of breaking one cinematic rule to accommodate another. Like, hey, things are more scary if you don't show the monster. Hmm. And by not showing us this, is it more scary? But then they also say, show, don't tell. So instead of showing us what happens, they're telling us, hey, are those people clawing at themselves? Is that blood? So it's just, (laughs) I don't know how to feel about it. I think it's kind of stupid, but what do you think? Yeah, I think that's an issue with the whole movie. I feel like there's a lot of telling uh, and not necessarily a lot of showing. uh, But I don't know. I think I, I appreciated it in this scene because it kind of paints a visual in your head without like showing you the actual violence. So I, I, th- I thought it was a smart uh, way of like d- depicting like this uh, insanity and like the this gruesomeness that's like happening around them and, and just like the shock that she was kind of in because she says it so casually uh, that, uh, yeah, and all you hear in the background is a scream. So it just, it's just such like a ju- juxtaposition between this very like calm day in the park and then her describing these very like dark things. Well, I, I thought that was like a great setup to then like see her like stab herself. So to me, it felt like a nice warm-up, but you, you weren't into it? I think the real answer here and the balance between show, don't tell, and don't show the monster would be to have her hear the scream, look terrified, kind of utter something incoherent through her fear, then turn and see her friend stab herself in the neck. I don't think we need those people look like they're clawing at themselves. Is that blood? We don't need it spelled out. <laughs> Just show her being scared. And maybe trying to stammer something out that like, okay, we heard a woman scream. We know this woman just saw something fucked up. And now our friend just killed herself. Huh. I don't know. Because if you just heard a scream and then she got really scared, yeah, you wouldn't have that visual of like someone peeling their, like, yeah, scratching their skin off or whatever. Uh, So that's an editing for you? I don't think you need it. I I thought it was cool because like she's saying it so calmly and it, it just like it lays into like how surprised she is like she's not like believing what she's seeing, um, but yeah, I, I feel like we would have missed that if it was just scream her suddenly being very scared of like where they are and like throughout this movie when like uh, attacks happen, it, everyone's like very calm mostly and then you're like disturbed by like what you're seeing. Um, so I I don't know, man. That's a, that's a struggle, but I, I hear your point there. Dude, it's so, also know. yeah, it'd be nice to have a moment where we're not totally sure if people are killing themselves or what's mm. going on. But, yeah. but he robs us of that by giving us that obvious dialogue. Yeah. yeah Those people are clawing at themselves. Yep. That's true. I mean, and we see her friend kill herself, so we kind of know, but give us a moment where we're not totally sure what's going on. <laughs> we don't not, get it. Not have it be like the first line in the movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <people killing> themselves. <laughs> it's probably from a toxin that plants are emitting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no, now my friend just stabbed herself right in the neck. Did you see it? <laughs> Can you believe this? <laughs> uh, also, what did you think of everyone just like freezing in their tracks? It's like a, a freeze frame. Like X-Men? Uh, at the White House? <laughs> yeah. Boy, right. we, let's see how often we can bring up that opening <laughs> scene at the White House. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was really cool and, and eerie and ominous. And then uh, I thought it was uh, really cool with the construction workers, like, falling, uh, like, just bodies, like, thumping to the ground. Uh, so I, I really I was a big fan of this opening. Uh, Do you have an issue with the frozen people? Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of this opening, buddy. Oh, you were interesting. Uh, it's, it's really interesting uh, that, like, this is his first R-rated movie, and I feel like he's done so many horror films, but this is the f- like the first time I feel like he's had a really strong, like, uh, horrific opening, uh, or like, uh, what, what do we call that? A, uh, not a bait. 
A hook? Mm. A hook. Yeah. <laughs> but you got your fishing metaphors mixed up. <laughs> yeah. Your fish hunting met- metaphors. Yeah, I knew there was, was something in there. Uh, yeah, it's the first t- time like I feel like Shyamalan's used like a hook really effectively. Uh, but yeah, not, not on you though. Yeah, sure. I'll give you that. I mean, I mean, it is cool to see like, oh, all right, this has actual violence in it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is a bit shocking. I just think there's some mistakes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in what's being said. So then we meet our main character, Elliot, uh, played by Mark Wahlberg. He's a school teacher in Philadelphia, and uh, his class is being disrupted. Well, I guess he's giving this lecture first on, like, evolution. Not evolution, but, like, uh, shit, what was his, what was he giving a, it was very on the nose, right? Um, about, like, why nature acts a certain way. Oh, what happened to the bumblebees, right? Uh-huh, yeah, a bunch the of bees. bees just disappeared, and, yeah, yeah, we're wondering why. Yeah, and someone in his class is like, oh, you know, maybe it's just nature being nature. And I think that's kind of a setup for what's going to happen here. Um, but yeah, his class gets disrupted as the teachers are informed that they 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 think there's this terrorist event happening in New York where people in Central Park are killing themselves. So people are freaking out in Philadelphia. So him and his wife, Alma, board this train to leave the city. Um, all around them, there's like this general sense of panic. I mean, no one's like, too panicked because they think this is only New York City, but there's like the sense of nervousness. Um, there's also uh, a strange kind of distance and friction between Elliot and Al- Alma. Uh, and what we know is that um, they, uh, they they seem like they're newlyweds, but there seems to be some kind of friction in the relationship. Uh, what do you think of this setup with uh, these two characters? Uh, I was blown away immediately by how bad I thought Mark Wahlberg's performance was. <laughs> And we just continue right along the path of confounding dialogue after confounding dialogue. There's a weird scene where he's describing, like, the symmetry of the handsome kid in his class face. Like, I don't know why that's there. And then as all the kids are filing out of his classroom, you know, there's, like, 30 kids. And he turns and looks at, like, the last eight of them as they're way out the door and goes, Hey, guys, nothing. (laughs) what (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's a whole bunch of shit like that and then he tells his buddy fellow teacher at the school played by john leguizamo like hey you know if alma's acting odd you know just ignore it and john leguizamo's character is immediately like hey dude i shouldn't tell you this but i walked in on her on your wedding day and she was crying she wasn't ready man (laughs) it's just like (laughs) what immediately he would just come out with that because he's like hey she's she's acting a little odd yeah yeah he's been holding on to that for years yeah and then he like hates her because of it it's like dude she was having a tough time on her wedding day and he's like a total dick to her throughout the rest of the film it it makes no sense Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see that. That that kind of com- comes out of nowhere, and it's kind of like a fourth setup for these characters versus like us naturally learning. And yeah, then I, I I guess you're right. That is like the more telling versus like showing us the friction there. Yeah, it's just also just so unrealistic. Like they yeah, two people wouldn't talk to each other like that, and it's such a silly backstory to even try to thread through this plot. It, yeah, it's cringeworthy, and then. Zoe has Alma has a line where she says it makes you kill yourself just when you thought there couldn't be any more evil that could be invented and the whole movie she just has lines like that that really beat (laughs) you over the head with this theme that like people are doing a bad job and aren't we all just the worst yeah 
No, yeah, dialogue right away is is pretty weak. Uh, Character arc is, uh, or character development is is pretty, like, forced in and, like, feels unnatural. Uh, So, yeah, you definitely picked up on that right away. Um, But I do think their story uh, is an important one that's, like, they're they're trying to build in, like, in relation to what's happening in the world around them. But, uh, yeah, we can circle back on that. What about, uh, I, I did think it was cool, the sense of panic and urgency felt very, like, post 9-11 or, like, during 9-11, like, you know, we were all in school and kind of how, like, things went down with this sense of panic. I, I feel like they were trying to mirror some of that and captured it pretty well. Did, did you get that? Um, yeah, I guess it's hard for me to see through some of the film's flaws. But, yeah, it's always interesting, too, how long this post-9-11 paranoia lasted in film. Um, yeah. Like, just the epic shadow that it cast it's easy to forget about once you're out of it and looking back at the media from then it's like wow this was still very much in our heads and and in our subconscious and working through our art for sure for sure yeah like this is seven years later and i I feel like what the they're showing here is people in a school seeing on the news a terrorist attack that they think is a terrorist attack in new york city and the sense of panic so uh yeah i I think very reminiscent of 9-11 mm-hmm um, so then they get on this train um, with uh, their colleague, but the train stops when the conductor loses touch with the rest of the world, which that didn't quite make sense, right? We've lost touch with everyone. That one kind of did. Like, no, you know, they couldn't reach the next station. They couldn't reach the previous station. Yeah. Maybe they called 911 and the dispatcher didn't answer, so it gives them the opportunity to say this dramatic line of oh yeah well, who did you lose touch with <laughs> everyone <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah you're probably right uh then so she, how about the video just, that the woman shared on the train of oh that, the lion <laughs> yeah of a dude being eaten by lions at the zoo like yeah <laughs> he walks into the lion's den and just like holds his arm out over their mouth yeah like hey <laughs> eat me yeah do you think it would be weird for a person to just show a stranger that video like without a like heads up you're gonna see a guy get eaten alive by lions she's just know, like man. check this out <laughs> i don't know this is a, a panic situation and people like getting news from like all over the place so maybe there's like the sense of like uh we're all in this together and like oh i just got this video i gotta i gotta show it to someone uh but yeah it is a very weird thing to show to someone. there's also like six lions in a enclosure that was like 30 <laughs> feet long yeah it's pretty cramped what kind of zoo is this i know i know. no wonder they're pissed yeah <laughs> uh so yeah they oh yeah the passengers are as you mentioned are learning uh things as they're on this train uh that lions are eating people are people feeding themselves to the lions um and uh this theory is kind of evolving that like whatever hit new york city is now kind of spreading some kind of airborne event that makes people lose the ability to not kill themselves uh which i I think sounds like a lot of science uh there's apparently like a what is what's the explanation there's like a something in our bodies which prevents us from killing ourselves yeah i can't remember exactly how they worded it but like there's something in your brain that is like prevents self-harm and like and then this (laughs) chemical this chemical agent flips that so that like you do want to self-harm, and it's just, like, made no sense. <laughs> yeah, Basically, yeah. the only thing keeping us from destroying ourselves was one little, like, transmitter <laughs> in our bla- brain. It was like, hey, don't. 
Don't do yeah. it. <laughs> don't, don't do it. I know I you want to you feed yourself to it. those lions, but don't. <laughs> Stop right there. <laughs> I am the one single voice of reason in your brain. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully nobody <laughs> takes me out because then you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We all know that voice. Um, we also see a, a scene in Philadelphia where people have started to kill themselves on the street, starting with a cop shooting himself uh, in the head and then people walking up and picking up the gun and shooting them. Uh, so everyone is realizes that this is kind of like an East Coast thing and they got to head west. So Elliot and Alma start to hitchhike with someone uh, after the train stopped and uh, their colleague's daughter, Jess, comes under the, their care because... The colleague wants to go back east to Princeton to find his wife. Unfortunately, when he gets to Princeton, uh, he finds a bunch of bodies hanging from trees. Um, and then while someone in the car is freaking out, he gives him that math problem. But unfortunately, the car has a hole in its roof. And the air comes in and the group of them then stop the car and then drive it head on into a tree. Uh, I kind of liked uh, this Princeton uh, sequence of them coming to this town with people being dead. What did you, What did you think? The car accident was cool. Like, that actually looked pretty good. Some of the effects in this movie are pretty cool. So the car crashes into a tree and people are thrown from it. That was very violent. Again, many scenes in this movie where I was just like, wow, wasn't expecting this from an M. Night joint. And then he gets out and, like, starts, like, cutting himself, right? He does, yeah. But I would say everything leading up to this scene, some of the... The movie kind of doesn't do itself any favors because when it has like some good moments, they're just surrounded by bad moments, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. First of all, there's no reason John Linguizamo would go to a different state to check on his wife. He doesn't even know where she is. He's lost all contact with her. She was in transit. <laughs> he has nowhere to look to be even begin looking for her. Yeah. And he assumes everyone there is dead. Yeah. So he leaves his very young daughter in a different state to go check this out. Right, right. <laughs> With people who are not even her family. And then as he hands them off to, to Elliot and Alma, Alma grabs her hand like, okay, honey, like you're with us now. He grabs Alma's hand and goes, don't take my daughter's hand unless you mean it. <laughs> what the fuck? All this woman did was cry on her wedding day. Yeah. And he's just like, you, it's horrible. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah, I I mean, I, yeah, so she cried on a wedding day, and I imagine these people have, like, known, like, he's been friends with uh, Elliot for over the years, so I, he's got to have a sense of, like, their relationship and Alma's character or whatever, and, uh, yeah, he, he just seems like someone who's looking out for his friend and uh, doesn't want to see him get hurt and now, like, doesn't want to see his daughter get hurt. I, I agree, like, leaving his daughter with them makes no sense. Uh, I, I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't give him too many points like off him uh for how he's shooting alma because he he knows her but we don't we and what we do know of her is certainly nothing that bad like she's an all-around pleasant person but she cried on her wedding day i mean that (laughs) (laughs) that what does that tell you about i know (laughs) can you imagine Oh man! Yeah, no, I, could have been point. happy tears for all John L knows. Yeah, yeah, Thank exactly. God. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. We're not grounded enough in either of them to know where all this is coming from. Also, this this movie really shouldn't be nitpicked for reality or its science. But if you are in a car with five other people and zero air is getting in from the outside, you will suffocate quickly (laughs) a hole in the roof is not the culprit that's going to kill you 
What about uh, when you're in a car and there's that button where it circulates the air internally and doesn't let in outside air? Yeah, I always assume there's got to be some outside air coming in because literally you would suffocate on a long car ride. Hmm. You need more air than what is in a car. What is inside the cabin? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, th- that happens. Then, meanwhile, Elliot and Alma and Jess, they hitch a ride with this uh, stranger who likes hot dogs. Uh, one of them explains to Elliot and Alma this theory that they think this is all being caused by the plants, which are releasing these toxins into the wind to kill people, and gives some example about how nature sometimes colludes with other organisms to make these kind of things happen. The group of them then run into others, and they realize that there's death in every direction, so they take off on foot, and while they're walking, uh, this wind starts to blow, and uh, a few of them who are like hanging out in a bigger group start killing themselves and uh elliot and alma are like panicking like what do we do it's coming for us so elliot comes up with this theory that if they break up into smaller groups it may reduce the intensity of the attack so the three of them and two boys take off from the rest of the group and they uh kind of break off individually and they're able to survive the next wave of the wind and uh, they make it to a house where they try to ask if they can enter but someone shoots at them through the window and ends up killing the two boys. Uh, so I'm guessing you had some issue with uh, the logic behind how they survive the wind. <laughs> oh, man. I just, there's, it was like a nonstop note-taking journey for me. I'm just like, I can't believe. There was a scene of like a woman on her phone with her daughter who was like in oh, her yeah. dorm room, like telling her daughter not to go outside. And she, like, stops hearing her daughter over the phone, so she hands the phone to Elliot, who is a, a stranger, a man she doesn't know. Like, here, could you hear anything? And then he grabs it and goes, I hear wind from outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote that line down. That's so good. <laughs> oh, the wind, the wind is from outside? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they have, like, when they all decide to go where there aren't many people, there's, like, this you know, army cadet or whatever kind of rounding them up. Uh, who, by the way, is played by Jeremy, Jeremy Strong, Strong, who's right. Kendall on Succession. That's crazy to see him there. Yeah, so young. right. Um, but he, instead of, like, telling them what to do as, like, a member of the local army base, he goes, ladies and gentlemen, this man is a realtor? <laughs> and he has a realtor come up <laughs> and tell them, hey, over there is a town where there are no people. Let's yep. go that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny. Like, hey, yeah. everybody listen up. It's a realtor It's speaking. a realtor. Let's listen to this guy. <laughs> Forget the guy in the army uniform Yeah, in a time of crisis. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah. There's some issues there. Um, I don't, I, yeah. The, the, the guy in the army uniform, though, he's he's scared. Like, uh, he, he's obviously not someone who was planned to be in charge of, like, this uh, crazy situation that's going down. So I thought, so you gotta like, need a realtor in those situations. <laughs> you do. I thought that made a lot of sense. They, they're all in the middle of nowhere. They have like no idea where they are. Uh, and yeah, a realtor seems like a resourceful person at that point. She does have one in company. <laughs> oh, just make realtor. it like a local then, or someone who knows the terrain well, like yeah, a grizzled that's farmer. True. That's true. <laughs> Some, a realtor. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Okay. A good rate. And then in this area, the problems with show and tell. You can't show a plant making invisible toxins that people will breathe. So the wind, by default, becomes the monster, the monster. of this yeah. movie, which 
I guess they've got no other choice. But like the opening credits start with clouds and the end credits end with clouds. Yeah. It's just like, do you, do you know that it's not the wind that is actually the cause of the problem? Like, this doesn't really have anything to do with the clouds. Like, uh, indirectly, well, yes. But it's just like, <laughs> shouldn't the opening and closing credits have been on a flower? trees or yeah or you could have shown like really cool stock footage of plants doing like wacky stuff like there are plants that like walk in the jungle like into the sun and there are venus fly traps yeah their roots like it's over you know years but their roots grow out into a sunny spot and can essentially move the whole tree over well okay okay i'm pretty sure if there are any botanists out there who can prove me wrong tell me i'm an idiot yeah but there's a lot of cool stuff you could have shown in those opening credits, but all this movie can manage to do is be like, the, the wind is the enemy. And <laughs> and then there's a quote in that scene where Wahlberg says, let's just stay ahead of the wind. Yeah. How do you, on foot, stay ahead of the wind? But then they go <laughs> ahead and show them outrunning the wind. So yeah. apparently you can. You know, sometimes you get like a wind in from the northwest and it's like only like a few miles an hour, like three or four or five. And so you (laughs) You see it coming from hundreds of yards away and you're like, go, (laughs) go. If I stay at like seven miles an hour, this will be okay or something. Right. Uh, Yeah. No, I I agree. You can't escape the wind. I do think uh, the plant, like a tree wouldn't have been scary. This is like the fog all over again where like, uh, yeah, the wind is just a vehicle to carry like the the toxins and and I think that's like what you're running from a tree I feel like that would have been too on the nose or too obvious or like yeah not scary enough but it's the wind that's like mobile and like chases you around because of the way the clouds move or the the wind moves the clouds the does the wind move the clouds I think so right or does the cloud yeah good question man I I think generally like air currents yeah move move the clouds Um, yeah but Yeah, I don't have a beef like with the movie showing the wind in the trees or the wind in the blades of grass, but they just seem to go a little too far. Like maybe someone could be like, dude, Brian, are you really nitpicking what's in the background on the opening and closing credits? But it's just an example of how they really lean a little bit too far into the wind when really it is toxins from the plant. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And the that fact is, that you could, like, outrun the wind. Yeah. You're surrounded by plants. Like, you don't need <laughs> the wind. You just need the plants you're standing on to emit that toxin and you're done. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's true. a problem with the premise and hard to find a way around it. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I just assume that's how plants get stuff around, like bees in the wind and stuff. And that's how pollen moves around, too. But, uh yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think in uh, what, what you hear about the plants is mostly through like explanation you're getting on TV, like oh, it's the plants and they're driving these toxins, and it's it's the whole thing. The part I like is like so much of this is like theory at this point, uh, and they're just like kind of guessing. Even the people on TV are still guessing. Like nothing is really confirmed here, so it's almost like you're running from uh, you don't know what you're running from. Like and, and and that's why these dumb things like the wind become like the enemy. It's just like you're just scared of everything now. Is something as like benign as the wind? Sure. Uh, the other thing that I thought was really cool is was the lawnmower kill, which I always like thought Sinister had the best lawnmower kill, but I, I totally forgot this this one had a great lawnmower kill. Do you like that one? Uh, yeah, it is actually kind of cool. I would still say Sinister has the best lawnmower kill, but yeah, uh, yeah, there there are shocking scenes in this. I will give 
that to the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some some creative and fun and fun deaths. Um, so Elliot and Jess uh, continue on the run, and they come to this house of an elderly woman who lives on her own, and she's completely disconnected from the outside world. So she has no idea about this crazy event that's taking place. She takes them into her care, uh, but the next, and, and she's creepy on her own right. Uh, but then the next day, the wind picks up, and she's outside, and suddenly she succumbs to the forces of the wind and starts bashing her head through the window. Elliot runs and hides in the basement, where he's able to talk to Alma and Jess, who are in a separate building on the property a few hundred feet away through a tube. Uh, him and Alma have this heart-to-heart. And I forgot to mention, earlier on, Alma had been getting these calls on her phone from some guy named Joey, and uh, I think as the audience were thinking, oh, she might be having an affair or something. But she tells Elliot at some point that she got tiramisu with this guy and it's been kind of like weighing her down uh, guilt-wise. So uh, we know like, yeah, that's been some of the driver of the distance between them. But in this scene, they have this heart-to-heart and they end up deciding that they'd rather die together. So the three of them, uh, <laughs> Elliot and Alma and that little girl that uh, Jess who's like barely been in the movie, uh, come outside and walk into the wind together to uh, come together and somehow survive. What did you think of this like last act of like uh, the house, the the woman, and uh, this final like coming together? Oh, uh, maybe even more <laughs> more nitpicks <laughs> and complaints than the rest of the movie. Put a nice bow on it for you? Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, no questions there. Just this, this woman as a character is so confusing i don't know what Shyamalan was trying to do with her like she at one point she just goes why are you in my lemon drink <laughs> what <laughs> and then she they try to have this folksy moment where she's like who's chasing who like always in a relationship someone's chasing someone so who is it right and it's like oh okay they're going for like a weird folksy charm with her and then the little girl reaches for some food and she like slaps her hand like really yeah. hard and I'm like, oh, no, never mind. Maybe not. <laughs> if she's and not then, cool. <laughs> then she is, screams at Wahlberg in the night and it's like, do you plan on murdering me in my sleep? And that's when you get a line that's like kind of a meme from this movie where he just goes, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> and not only is that weird. But the scene immediately ends after that. He just goes, what? No. She walks away. The scene is over. It just cuts, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what? There's so yeah. much in this movie that's just jaw-droppingly puzzling to me. Mm. Like, Interesting. What is the goal? And yeah, you can just be like, okay, Shyamalan was trying to work in humor here. Mm-hmm. But it's just so tonally confused. Like sh- shortly before this, two children were brutally shot by a shotgun and that we're like kind of becoming characters mm-hmm. and then we're gonna be like oh now we're silly it just not that a movie can't do that but he has a complete he has no mastery of the tone of this film it is just <laughs> <laughs> all over the place yeah that's interesting I, I didn't get the sense of silliness coming in like this whole movie to me so far has felt like panic unknown uh, what's killing us? How do we escape it? Uh, we're just out here trying to survive. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not catching a lot of the humor, but y- you've been picking up on something? Yeah, I mean, there's a point where he's, like, talking to a plant in the house, like, hey, like, I don't mean you any harm or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then he realizes it's plastic. He's like, I'm talking to a plastic plant. Like, 
there are <laughs> that out of place, yeah. deliberate injections of humor or when he's talking to Alma about the fact that she went out to dessert with this guy, he's like, you know, I was in a drugstore and one of the clerks was so attractive, I randomly asked her where the cough syrup was because that's the aisle she was in. And I bought a extremely superfluous bottle of cough syrup just because of that. Yeah. And he's like joking and it's it's trying to be like charming. So he's definitely trying to infuse humor into things. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But it's just so clumsy to me. And then just the logic too. They they had just said on the news, this could abruptly end at any time. We just don't know. And they immediately walk out into the outdoors when they could just, they're each in a place of lodging. They could just stay there. But after five minutes, they're like, we just can't do this. And they all walk out. <laughs> Into the outdoors with a little girl who they've been entrusted with. Right. <laughs> it just makes no sense, man. And they have yeah. some horrible dialogue about this mood ring that he got for her on their first date. And yeah. they're trying to remember what color the emotions are. And he's like, what color was love? I don't remember. Me neither. How, how deep was that? Oh, God. <laughs> it's like poetry. <laughs> that was so bad. It was really bad. Uh, but I, I think that it was like, because uh, this whole thing seems like a metaphor to like what's happening in their relationship, right? Like it's this unexplainable event that's like driven them apart and it's like this loss of love. They don't know like why it's happened uh, and they're like trying to reconnect. So I, I feel like that was like M. Night Shyamalan really trying to like drive it home at this with this scene in this dialogue. You, t- tell me, man, are you on like M. Night Shyamalan's payroll? <laughs> I'm like, I gotta, I gotta support uh, my brother here. You know? <laughs> You're really defending this movie. Yeah, yeah I, I think he's a great director. And, uh, yeah, when we get into the review here, I'm gonna take some uh, qualms with you. Yeah, I don't think he's a bad director. I think he did a terrible job directing this movie, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I agree. Yeah, the, the dialogue here is so cheesy, and I can't tell. Yeah, I think the dialogue, the way it's written, plus you've got Mark Wahlberg delivering it. Uh, how do you think Zoe's doing? Not very well. Um, yeah. And I don't know how strong of an actor she is in general. I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever seen her in something and been like, wow. Like, there are roles that she fits. Um, like there was, Yeah, yeah. Or there was an indie film called All the Real Girls that she was, like, a really perfect fit for. Hmm. She works in Elf. She works in 500 Days of Summer. But I don't know. I mean... I just maybe I haven't seen enough of her to judge. I also yeah. think it's unfair to judge any actor by their performance in this movie because I really believe Shyamalan was directing them in a way that just made no sense. <laughs> Even though I think Zoe was trying to be nice by saying like, "Hey, he's a great filmmaker and I trusted him." It almost sounds like a cry for help. Like, <laughs> I trusted him. <laughs> like, what did he do? Yeah. Um, yeah, like he had a strong vision and we were all trying to do what he wanted. I trusted him. <laughs> like, there's a different way to spin that where you're just yeah. like, Is that Fuck a passive me, way of like putting him? Yeah, is that the passive way of putting the blame back on him? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I just and really and like I don't mean to, to be smirch her. I, I really think yeah. she was being kind when she said that. But yeah, yeah. from my perspective, I'm like, why are you directing the actors like this? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I, I I don't know if it was him directing it. I think it's more the dialogue in them as actors. But um, yeah, I, I could see that. You, you might be right. Like he's trying to make them seem like very distant from each other, but ultimately they end up feeling very distant from us as the audience as well. 
It's true, it's man. Pretty tough. And then Deep. like Jess is just like it's non-existent, basically, ring, right? Like, yeah, she's just basically there to be a child for yeah for them to have like a parental role over, which they really don't exercise very much. Right. Uh, the, the first really important thing they do for her life is to lead her out into the outdoors to die <laughs> because they love each other and they can't stand another minute apart. they can't stand another minute apart they've been apart for like five it had already been five whole minutes <laughs> and why would you go if there is the threat of toxins in the air yeah the first thing they did the morning after staying there was alma and jess go to the you know the farmhouse like the outhouse Right. Like, which means they went outside. Yeah. And then exactly. he goes in there and speaks to her through the tube and says, close all the windows and doors. And she says, why? <laughs> <laughs> Where have you, you been for the last day? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think they were, they had a false sense of safety when they figured out that like, yeah, if we just stay in a small group, we'll be okay. And then when he sees the woman that took them in suddenly become uh, possessed or whatever, then uh, he realizes, like, oh, shit, we're not safe anymore, and this has gotten way worse. That's that's my theory, but what, do you think that holds? Yeah, I think so, too, but I think it's just crazy to be so comfortable with that. That's the th- We're going all in on that theory, so I'm taking a little girl outside right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, pretty irresponsible. Oh, uh, my. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe right. John Leguizamo was right. I take it all back. <laughs> yeah, right? And, the, cry, and why did you trust? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So yeah. many questions. He was a very uh, insightful person. He picked up on a lot of things. Uh, so, yeah, they survived this because, as Brian mentioned, everything peaked and then like came to an end, as the scientists predicted. So now we jump three months into the future and learn that the scientists have now confirmed that the attack was indeed caused by plants, and it lasted just around a, a day or so. Uh, Jess now lives with Elliot and Alma, and she's going to school, and Alma just found out that they're expecting a child. And then the movie ends with uh, people who are in France and walking around having a conversation. They suddenly begin to start killing themselves, as we saw in the beginning, and this dark cloud emerges indicating that another event is about to happen. There, and, uh, that was maybe the thing that pushed me over the edge. Why a dark cloud? Oh, because this one was coming with like some rain with it. It was, it was still wind. A lot of dark clouds are, do come with a lot of wind. I'm not, I'm not sure what your experience has been. <laughs> it doesn't matter if there's a dark cloud. It's from the plants. Yeah, it's from the plants, but it's 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 carried in, in the wind. you got to look at the vehicle for carrying it. If there... It's, you know, you know what? Yeah, this... I mean, maybe they just needed to explain it better. If it's a solid, then yeah, it would need to be carried with the wind, like pollen or seeds. But if it's a toxin they're emitting into the air, then that's just air. Like, that's uh... air now. We breathe the oxygen that is emitted by plants. Uh, we do... I, but I assume the wind is what would get, like, yeah, just, just like how uh, trees, um, they put out seeds, right, that are carried around in the wind or, like, carried by bugs. Uh, so, you know, th- this reminds me of, like, take, take the Evil Dead, for example. Uh, we don't focus on the book as being the scary thing the whole time, right? It's just the source of evil. But then it spreads through people, like, getting uh, possessed oh, by it, right? That's so a horrible that's, analogy. That's the analogy. Because that's <laughs> what the wind is in this case. It's the zombies taking the evilness from the trees into people's lungs and around the world. 
Wow. Slow clap for that, but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but also <laughs> boo. And my shaman wrote me that note. Uh, that's okay. here's Tell the analogy Brian. you can use. He's yeah. gonna question this. I know. You'll be prepared. <laughs> exactly. He likes the evil dead, so here you go. Get him where it hurts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I love that ending, man, because like uh, the newscaster was like, "Oh yeah, this could happen any time. Like this, this you know, this isn't over. This could happen again." And now, like, holy shit, it's like about to come back in a bigger way because the clouds are darker this time. So <laughs> he yeah, says this <laughs> could have been a warning from nature. Yeah, right, right. So I was pretty excited by that ending. What did you think? No, it didn't do anything for me. I really don't like the freeze frame where everyone People stops think. dead in their tracks, where it really looks like literally that's how they did the effect, like they just froze the film. Yeah. I think it looks pretty hokey. Um, yeah, or you don't think that's people just like standing still? It's just like a shot? I don't still think shot. so. If it if it is, they should have made it a little less clean. <laughs> like, yeah. it really looks like they just, yeah. Yeah, froze, interesting. Froze the frame. Yeah, I want to go back and look. Cause I, I feel like there's like a, a dog or something like running around that lets you know like it's still going. But uh, yeah, maybe yeah. it is just perfectly synchronized movements of people. But yeah, okay. I yeah, I just don't get it. And why does that have to happen first? It's I know it, it was for the sim- simply the cinematic effect of it all. But yeah, yeah, it just didn't do it for me. Sure, sure. Okay, cool. Well, so it sounds like you loved the, uh, this movie. Uh, and you're a big fan. Yeah, I mean, the the whole question for me at the end was like, did this go into it's so bad, it's good territory? But it seems like that was not on the table for you. <laughs> like it wasn't trying to be that, right? Yeah, I, well, I never, my whole thought is I, I don't think it is trying to be bad. I think it's just bad. But mm. is it so bad that it's entertaining would be the only factor that would give make me give it a positive score. What's what's your answer on that? Yes and no. Like, I, I think you can't help but be in awe of some of the choices that were made here, specifically with the dialogue. But that that is entertaining, but it doesn't feel like enough. It's just you have to sit through it <laughs> either way. <laughs> <laughs> like, not only is some of the logic shaky, but the performances are bad, the dialogue doesn't make sense, the characters aren't particularly believable or likable. I think my favorite parts of the movie are the score, which is really the only thing that doing the movie any favors, trying to guide the movie towards the tone that Shyamalan is probably going for. It very much felt like a score to like a 40s through 60s classic horror film Mm -hmm. so that's really like pointing you in the direction of like this is the heart of this movie this is the type of movie that this is right that can't save it for me though and i did think the death scenes many of them were shocking and had good effects when that woman smashes her head through the glass window all that glass gets stuck in her face that looks cool that cop who shoots himself in the head it's like you know, a geyser after that, and the mm-hmm. camera doesn't shy away from stuff like that. So I applaud Shyamalan for going balls to the wall on that front. Yeah, me too. But uh, yeah, it sounds like the acting dialogue and logic, uh, and then a lot of like the showing versus, or like telling without show uh, versus showing. 
kind of like yeah yeah something about the show and then the telling is is wrong in some way shape or form there Um, yeah but I mean it's interesting to watch to me what is a bad movie that is good on almost all the technical levels like we talked about there's some acclaimed professionals working on this and I think that shows in the cinematography we already mentioned the score the editing is a bit puzzling sometimes but I'm guessing those were kind of Maybe choices that Shyamalan had a hand in. It it feels like the things where Shyamalan's touch is shining through the clearest are the areas that are the most bad. And we've talked about this before. Like, is it bad for someone to be the producer, writer, and director of something because nobody's there to be like, hey, (laughs) slow your roll. Or like, are you sure about that scene? Sure. It's a lot of power. Yeah. Nobody's there to like talk him off the ledge with some of this stuff. Yeah. But... What do you think, man? I, I've been sitting here shitting on this movie a whole lot. Yeah, I didn't notice. Those it, are... <laughs> it seems you generally, <laughs> genuinely enjoyed it. Like, what are the strengths? Uh, yeah, I think this is a, a great movie, man. I, I mean, I think it's like aged really well, uh, and it's such a great concept. And especially like after we've started this club and gone back to see older films that like sit more in this area of yeah, we're not going to tell you everything. There's going to be a lot of speculation. It's not going to be like so many events happening. It's just going to be this general fear and atmosphere. I feel like this movie did a really good job leaning into that element, which is where when I hear him talk about it being a B-horror film and like a Hitchcock type of film, that's what I think. Like this whole movie is like kind of uh, drenched in like suspense and fear of, of this unknown and the survivalist kind of mentality. Uh, I agree, like, acting, dialogue, the character arcs are terrible, like garbage, and I, I think that really ruins the film, but I think conceptually, the idea was really cool, and I think M. Night Shyamalan, like, the way uh, he captured it from, like, a cinematography perspective with the music and the pacing of the film, uh, I thought uh, all, all of that, like, worked well, and you had a really cool story here that felt like a great homage to, like, past films that we've seen that have been a lot about uh, just the panic that ensues amongst people versus uh, diving too deep into like understanding what it is exactly, which I don't know. I, f- I feel like that when anytime they try to explain what was happening was maybe unnecessary and kind of a downfall or weakness. Um, but I feel like conceptually this, this, this was a cool movie and to your point, like technically like really well executed. Um, but yeah, what do, what do you think? I don't are think we, that, Oh, go ahead. Are we saying the same thing? The, no, don't try to convince me. I like this movie. <laughs> okay, I think I think we agree that this is a good yeah. movie. Um, I don't think the premise is bad. I think that there is a way to make a good movie from this premise. I think it's a hard premise to translate to the screen, but it was the execution was so flawed in so many different ways to me that it didn't work. I really think maybe it could have been a stronger movie if we didn't find out until much later that it was anything to do with the plants. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, then you know. Then there's, like, nothing really left. And then you have to deal with how do people hide from plants? <laughs> like, right. how do people hide from the outdoor air? Let's make them run from the wind. It doesn't just doesn't work to me i mean maybe it it does for some viewers and i don't think any less of those viewers yeah ashvin i don't (laughs) but i just think it could have been better if there was just yeah lean into that paranoia even more by not knowing what the hell is happening why are people killing themselves is it everybody is it 
And then like the big group, small group logic ended up being pretty important. And that was kind of a weird hook to hang your hat on. It was. Um, yeah, you know, even the the plant thing, though, I feel like it was a theory for the whole movie and only confirmed at the end when, like, we're watching the news and they're saying, yeah, we found traces of this toxin in plants. Uh, I felt like a lot of the movie, it was just people guessing and uh, most people, like, didn't know what was causing it. Yeah, but, I mean, as the viewers, we know. Like, if, if you're going to plant that seed so early, ooh, accidental plant pun, then it leaves <laughs> us no choice but okay. to believe... <laughs> <laughs> that the incidents stemming from this oh, problem are rooted in the plants. I, they tell you. I mean, you wouldn't theorize multiple times that it's plants, and then at the end of the movie be like, oh, it's not the plants. <laughs> it's Maybe, if anyone could do it, it's Shyamalan with his twists. Yeah. But, you know, and they're showing clips of the, the wind and the leaves. Like, that could have been cool if it was a twist that it was – yeah, actually, it was terrorists after yeah. all. <laughs> this whole time it was. Yeah. <laughs> Idiots. Do you really <laughs> thought it was plants? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, I mean, just because it's a theory, theorized by characters, it doesn't mean that you as the viewer don't already know. So sure. it could have been cool to just, yeah, make a total paranoia film where nobody knows what the hell is going on. And then at the end, yep. that could have been a, a Shyamalanian twist. Like, oh, my yeah. God, it was just plants? Like, I know. That's kind of lame, but maybe that's kind of cool. That could have been really neat. Yeah, I guess you're right. They do lean into that pretty late. I was trying, uh, since I've seen this before, to like put that out of my mind that like for sure it's plants and like go along with the sense that you know this, these are all just theories that they're trying to come up with. Um, but yeah, yeah, that would have been actually really cool if they weren't entirely sure. Because uh, yeah, it does seem like Wahlberg gets a pretty good sense or like buys into that idea pretty quick from that hot dog guy, right? Yeah, yeah, who is a nursery, a plant nursery owner. So, yeah, but yeah, he off, there's somebody on, I can't remember if it was like Denim Geek or what. Uh, somebody was writing about the film and we were like, there's a lot of weird specific food mentions. Like, oh, yeah. she doesn't say she went out to dessert with a guy. She says they went out and got tiramisu. tiramisu. And then yeah. this nursery guy is like hung up on the hot dogs. This yeah. farm woman <laughs> is like, are you eyeing my lemon drink? Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty random. <laughs> it's pretty random. Let me ask you a question, man. So Alma, the character of Alma goes pretty hardcore on the like, hey, people are just the worst. Like mm-hmm. she says, let me see if I can find some of her quotes. Like, uh, like are, how could there be any more evil invented in the world was one of them. Can you believe how crappy people are? She says, we're not going to be like those assholes on the news that watch a crime happen and do nothing. We're sure. not assholes. Do you think, or did it ever occur to you at any point that maybe, and they talked at one point too about how people can give off a specific energy. Like oh, we picked shit. it up on certain cameras. And like did the mood you, rings, right? Yeah. And then there's the mood ring. Yeah. Did you ever think maybe the plants were getting good vibes from the three of them and that's why... They weren't killed because <laughs> they were like, oh, okay, maybe this woman or maybe these people are fine. Oh, God. And they, that been t- <laughs> they were specifically not targeted. And we we don't – I don't think we see the plants kill any kids in the movie. The The two kids that die are killed by people who shoot them with a shotgun. Interesting. So – and then – you know, that woman didn't die in her garden until she was kind of an asshole to <laughs> everybody in the house. Before that, she was sitting on her front porch. Yeah. So, 
Interesting. Is、uh, it big groups and small groups, or are the plants like, yeah, your vibes are all right. We won't, we won't kill you. You seem like the type that recycle. We're, we're going to let you go. Yeah.、Uh, I, I don't know. That, that's insane, man. That like, they would make a personality call, like、uh, certain people we're okay with. Because it seemed like in these mass、uh, groups, everyone would just like, stop, get frozen, and then just start killing themselves. It didn't seem like to discriminate. If anything, I wonder what you're bringing up is more of an analogy to between the trees. Putting out toxins to kill people, and then what Zoe's saying about people putting out energy or like, yeah, killing each other.、Um, like, are the trees a stand in for like the evil in humans potentially? And、uh, yeah, but I don't know. That's, I guess that's kind of a stretch too. Yeah, like, are the trees sensing who, who is and who isn't the worst? Yeah. Do you, so, what do, you, do you think so? Do you think that was like implied here? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think probably not, but it felt like when you put certain facts of the movie together, it almost felt like they were going out of their way to make that a possibility with the、yeah. energy that certain people give off, the mood rings, like, oh, people are so crappy, but we're not crappy. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's really strange.、Uh, I don't know, because、uh, I never felt like these two were like really good people or anything or like any different than anyone else. I didn't feel like judgment was necessarily. Being passed on those who were dying or anything. So I, I don't know. That, yeah, that would, that would have been fascinating if that was、uh, a case there. Or if like her phone rings at the end and it says Joey, and you see a <laughs> mouth appear on a tree behind her and it just says, Girl! <laughs> and then, it, then she kills herself. Then she dies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then she kills herself. Yeah. Then we'd know for sure. Maybe that was a deleted scene. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that would have made this a lot more interesting. Um, I got a controversial question for you. You take a movie like this and、uh, explain to me how.、Uh, yeah, so everyone acknowledges this is a bad movie,、um, but we'll praise a movie like The Thing, right? And oh, God. I, yeah, <laughs> here we go. I think they're actually very similar. I mean, The Thing, obviously, practical effects are, are way better. I mean, in this one, there are, are like barely any. And、uh, it's a cool concept. People just isolate it somewhere. And that movie comes out, gets slammed. Years later, people love it. This one,、uh, again, it's something is happening. They can't explain it. It's killing everyone. Tensions are building between people.、Um, a little bit more heart to it because you have a couple at the center.、Uh, so, yeah, what's, what to you is like why this film sucks and why the thing is amazing? Well, I don't know if you're just trying to get me in trouble here because you know I just think the thing is pretty good and so、okay. do you. Yeah, so pretty good versus like t e r r i b l e throwing both of us <laughs> under the bus. <laughs>、right. To compare this to the thing, I don't even know why you're doing it. Just because you're saying that was a film that was not critically well reviewed at its time, but then is now considered a classic. Like, why can't this be the same? Yeah, slammed. And, and I think even plot wise,、uh, it's about something you can't explain that's just coming over and people trying to figure out how to survive.、Uh, the thing achieves paranoia. Infinitely better than this movie does. I mean, and we know only what we need to know in the thing. We don't need any science of like, hey, it's a toxin emitted by plants. Things like that ruin the movie. Yeah. The dialogue in the thing is, you know, there's a very light touch with the dialogue. Nobody's giving away too much with what they say, which kind of. Contributes to the lack of trust among all the characters. This, there's too much dialogue, and people say shit that doesn't even make sense. And 
you don't know why anyone's even saying what they're saying. It's just sure. illogical. It doesn't come from a place that is natural to the character. Yeah. And while the things characters may not be super fleshed out, certainly the things that they say come sound natural coming out of those characters' mouths. Yeah, in the situation. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's almost an example of uh, a movie like the thing that the dialogue is so stripped down to just to be about the events. In this one, yeah, they, I, I feel like he tries to build out the characters, uh, but he does a very terrible job at it. So which one's worse? It sounds like this one is worse. Yeah, I mean this this movie fails on so many fronts. This, that's the difference. <laughs> this movie is objectively. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, I'm saying objectively and you, you really like it and there's going to yeah, be other people to like. In the end, you're going to give this thing a three, even though you're defending it like it's great. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think like uh, with a director like and my Shyamalan, he's naturally trying to put some like heart or some relationships in there, which I think is like rare for like a horror film director to do because so many just stick to this is what's happening. This is how people are reacting to it. And uh, those films get praise. And uh, yeah, to me, this kind of feels like it's a movie about something's happening that's causing people to kill themselves. They don't know what it is. They're kind of all panicking and running around. Uh, and M. Night Shyamalan, his signature move is to, like focus on relationships. But unfortunately, the relationships here, uh, I don't know what happened. Yeah, just... I mean, I don't think he is super focused on the relationship. If he is, he totally loses focus. There's nothing that happens that tests their relationship in this movie. They're just running around a little bit. They go to a farmhouse where they think they're going to die, and then they come out into the open air because they want to die together and sacrifice a child yep. to their to their <laughs> their whim, their thoughtless, irresponsible whim. Yeah. And then they end up together, which they already were, married. And <laughs> they are the, the parents to this adopted child now because her parents have died because her dad's stupid. And then... Yeah. They, they're pregnant. Like, there's no, almost of, no development among their relationship other than, like, they got in a little bit of an argument or were a little bit distant because she went to dessert with a guy, Tiramisu, yeah. specifically. She tells him, and he's like, that sucks, but I still love you. And she's like, I love you, too. Like, yeah. there's I mean, nothing think, there. They don't even, they don't do anything. They take no action of significance other than sure. run from the wind. Yeah, but I think uh, this is a point, like, we're seeing them in this event, and uh, I think we're, we can, uh, you know, kind of deduce, like, what this relationship has been, or, like, where they're coming from. Like, yeah, no event has happened. There was, like, that tiramisu, which is just a random point, but I do feel like you get a sense, like, there's been a lot of buildup of tension or distance between them. And, yeah, even though they're not going... So, I, I don't know. So, it makes me come back to that show-don't-tell thing, where... Um, if there were better actors and if it was better directed, would we have like picked up that like these are this is a couple that uh, has kind of like split ways and it, they've been like very apart, which is a lot of like his movies. Like even Unbreakable has that element where like you don't know like why the two characters are like split apart or like acting so distance distant from each other. But you you understand there's like a history there. So I, yeah. I don't know if we needed like an attention event because I think the movie starts with them already uh, pretty far apart from one another. And the movie, I feel like the whole movie is them kind of coming together even though it happens pretty unnaturally. Yeah, I, I just don't think they undergo any... I mean, it sounds silly. Of course they do. Like everyone around them is dying. But like they don't really have their own plot except from like 
running away from it and not even really knowing what they're running from and trying to figure out what's going on. Like Sounds like marriage. They don't get separated <laughs> at any point until the yeah. very end. Like, yeah. They don't have to make any crucial decision at any point in the film. Uh, yeah, that's there's true. nothing. There's nothing big about the movie other than the fact that everybody, the whole planet, is dying. Like, yeah, there's nothing big for our characters. It feels like the the right. stereotypical big plot points aren't there. Yeah, yeah, they don't face off with some big challenge, which it's kind of cool because they become more of a passive character in in like this larger event that's happening. That's the and word I'm looking for. They're par- they're too passive. Yeah, well, I, I kind of appreciate that because it's just like your everyday couple. Like, what are they doing when the world suddenly? starts to go down there just hanging out dealing with their own stuff i don't know why you wouldn't have like jess the girl they've been entrusted to take care of come into a situation where she's in dire straits and they have to make a terrible choice in order to save her or yeah come up with some solution there's so many different things that could have been done so much that, was left on the table that's it's too not hollywood necessarily man. a bad premise yeah, and yeah it's, I, I get that, like, and I think a lot of our listeners probably will maybe think that about me. Like, all Brian wants is, like, <laughs> yeah, the seven major plot points. But exactly. there's a reason they are <laughs> so prominent, because they work, and you have to generate emotion and affection for characters and take the viewer on a roller coaster ride, especially in a disaster movie. Yeah, I agree. So to just have nothing really happen... Yeah, nothing happens, but uh, I think he compensates for that by showing like the violence that's happening around them. But yeah, you're right. It, 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 and actually, I, I give him props for that. He's got two characters at the front that aren't like doing much, and uh, he's focusing. He's trying to focus more on like some something to do with their intimacy, maybe. Uh, so I, I think it's cool to see a movie where that you, you have two main characters who aren't like driving like any. Because yeah, I feel like too often in movies. Uh, the main characters have like so much like ownership of like their actions, like what's going on, and these guys are just trying to survive, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, zo- a lot of zombie movies are like that, where they're just the whole goal is to survive, and not much else goes on. They don't have too many other arcs. Yeah. So. Th- then they always like go on some adventure. That, yeah, like, yeah. Right. Them. There's always something else going on. Yeah, yeah. That's true. All right. Well, so I think we can skip the rating since we both like this one. So <laughs> Default 3.5 out of 5 from Brian. <laughs> exactly. All right. Now, I'm really interested. You, you want to jump to the, the scoring or anything else? Yeah, let's do it. All right. How many hairpins to the neck would you give this one? I give it two out of five hairpins to the neck. Though the film's baffling choices are undeniably entertaining, the puzzling dialogue and awkward performances make for a mostly frustrating viewing experience i would have given it a one if it wasn't so astoundingly puzzling like it it entertained (laughs) me because it was just like i was like writing the whole time like i can't believe it you're you're like mark Wahlberg over there like what why (laughs) what's going on what no (laughs) why Why? (laughs) um and that's that's the thing for me about so bad it's good movies is very rarely do they become good enough to the point where you're like oh i want to watch that again and a lot like yeah someday on this podcast we'll we'll review troll 2 that that might be one that does cross over into like yeah i want to see this over and over again because it's so incredibly bad right right but more often it's just like still still can't save it 
sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I still struggle to think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we both agree that I don't think he was trying to be like so bad to be good. Like, I don't think there's that yeah. self awareness. I guess we're in agreement in that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you uh, give zero to five hairpins to the neck? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised to give it to you. I, I gave it. I, I came out at two and a half hairpins. No, to the I neck. knew. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> How can you sit there and defend the hell out of the movie Cause, and give it a two and a half? It's a really good movie. <laughs> then why are you give it yeah. a two and a half? I know. I know. So uh, yeah, I, I I think technically it's amazing. I think the direction and the cinematography, really great camera work, great storytelling, and I love that any any M Night Shyamalan movie, no matter how bad it is, he's always like such a great storyteller. Uh, so I, I always got to give him props for that and in, in the cinematography and this combination with the music um but yeah i, I agree the characters I, I pinpoint the problem of this movie to the characters their dialogue their acting and their character arcs they that that's the miss uh otherwise i think it's a perfect film <laughs> uh, if you just take out those three things it's actually good <laughs> yeah this is this is the, the b episode yeah. uh what where do i even begin you want to raise your score now to two and a half? No, I, you know, oh, this is what I wanted to say. I think of my scale as pretty subjective, and then I my, my goal is to objectively support my subjective rating. So nice. basically five means I loved it, four means I really liked it, three means I liked it, two means I didn't like it, you know. Yeah. So... Part of me is like I'd give this a one if I wasn't amused by some of the badness. But like you said, there there are there's enough good about the film that probably doesn't deserve a one. Right. It, is your rating approach similar to mine, or are you trying to like objectively rate the movie? Uh, no, it's similar to yours. Where like I'll watch it and then I'll think about like yeah, how much did I like this movie? And to me, like a, a popcorn movie that doesn't have like too much thinking behind it. Uh, Falls in like the two and a half to three, depending on how entertaining it is. I I I feel like this movie, honestly, is probably more closer to two. But I think when you add M Night Shyamalan in and like the work that he brings as a storyteller, as a cinematographer, or I mean he's not the cinematographer, but like the shots he brings in, the atmosphere he creates, I, I do think it elevates this uh, a little bit more than maybe another director would, uh, just because of his his signature moves there. But I I think I try to be objective uh, after I think about. How much I liked it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta kind of. I kind of like rate with my gut and then support my claims with my mind. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I I think (sighs) we're we're pretty close. I'm so coming. Yeah. I think you're coming down up and I'm coming from the up down, and we're landing kind of close to each other. Yeah. Wow. I'm just so confused, man. (laughs) I I don't think it's as like I I think all your nitpicks around the science like totally valid, but this is a horror sci-fi film. So you can't, like, criticize the wind and the trees that much, right? I'm not... Yeah, I mean, I have beefs with the science, but, you know, I, I don't typically don't dock points or enjoy a movie less for that. It's inevitable when something is so outlandish. Yep. But it's more the choices to build how the story is built around that. Like, okay, now we outrun the wind. Like, <laughs> it's not really even science that you can't outrun the wind. Yeah. I mean, theoretically you could run faster miles per hour wise than the wind is blowing but like you're in the air it's not like that air over there is moving this air is standing still i can see 
when that wind where it starts and ends <laughs> yeah well sometimes you can turn left you know and you yeah if you wind. zig and you zag wind <laughs> yeah. is really just like an alligator <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh yeah i agree if you get caught up on the logic here uh it, it doesn't make a lot of sense um yeah but i i think with this film with and with like a lot of films of this nature like fucking like the birds, man. Like these things, you just have to like give yourself up to this belief that okay, this is the wind, these are the rules, and I, th- I think the people in this movie are also like kind of not sure of what's happening or like how to avoid it. Which that part like felt like really well portrayed, where like they're, they're just as confused as we as the viewers are. Yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. confused is right. Confused is <laughs> the right place to end this time. I, I think I'm tapped out. <laughs> All right. We're here at a 90 minute podcast about, we're basically longer than the movie. I know. Hey, oh, speaking of that, I thought the pacing was pretty good. What did you think? Nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else to add? Nope. <laughs> okay. That's going to wrap up our discussion on the happening. If you agreed with me, please email Brian and uh, let him know that he's wrong as usual. Uh, Otherwise, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show, and we always appreciate it. If you want to join our discussion, tell us what you think about the movie. You can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We're going to be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter. Or not Facebook, not Twitter, sorry. We're going to be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Instagram. In case you want to watch it. Oh, and we're still on Twitter? Yeah. Oh, I thought we got off that for some reason. X. No, we're still there. We got all three now. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, So in case you want to watch the movie, you can find out what it's going to be on there. Uh, We're also on Discord where you can join us and other horror fans uh, and join the dialogue there. Uh, The link to that is on our website. Our logo is by Amy May Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. Until next time, if you're trying to escape the wind, consider zigzagging because uh, then it, it won't be able to catch you and th- that always works. Foolproof. can't believe you're telling them to email me and tell me I'm wrong when you basically gave the movie the same rating as I did. <laughs> I know, but I so liked him. <laughs> I kind of predicted it, like, oh, we're going through this whole thing and you're going to give it three, but then he went even lower. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I was between there, man. I was two and a half to three, but I'm like, yeah, this movie, it's got its problems. <laughs>